when you've experienced the gift God gave us of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was years that I celebrated Christmas because of presents and the nativity scene and all that stuff. But when I received Jesus as my Savior, my personal Savior, it, it changed things for me. And it became my best Christmas ever. And, and that's what this is, is, is we want to talk about that. So today we're talking about we're blessed to bless other people. And I believe this with all my heart. And, and, uh, and so I want to share a few things with you today. Uh, I, say, I, I say even as a small church, and we're not necessarily, Pastor Kathy gets on me when I say that, because really we're in the top 25% size-wise of all churches. It's just when you look at these mega churches, it's like, oh man, we're, we're kind of small, but we're bigger than the average church. And, but even as a bigger than average church, even in this pandemic, you guys have continued to make a difference through your giving, through your working. You know, we didn't qualify for some of the federal programs that were giving money to businesses because y'all kept giving. And, uh, and we didn't get some of that free money that was out there because you were faithful to what God was doing in your life. So we were able to keep, when schools came back, we were able to do Fuel the Future where we feed 25 kids. Every week we send food to these kids. We're going to give them uh, a, a ham Christmas uh, dinner with their families. We're going to give them, you know, some toys and everything. We were able to do this giant food distribution we did back in uh, the previous year in, in, at the end of 2020 where we gave away about 40,000 pounds of groceries and, and uh, valued at about $70,000. And we were able to have a food pantry where if somebody comes here looking for food, we'll give them food. Now, we don't give them money because they want to go buy drugs with the money, but we give them food. And, uh, and we've given hotel rooms to people uh, for a night. And, uh, and I'm very specific when I go do that. I say, don't let them cash this out. You know, you, know it, it, you just keep the money and count it as profit, but you don't by any means give this person the money back because they'll try and do that. Uh, we've, we've given, we, we have a group of y'all that, that, man, it's like y'all are meals on wheels if somebody gets sick. You know, I mean, it's just like food starts showing up. And, and, uh, or somebody's grieving. And so you've continued to do these things through all of this, through when everybody's struggling, you've continued to do that. And, and I want to commend you guys for that. Now, this, this year we're going to have our first ever Christmas Eve service that's actually on Christmas Eve. Uh, we did a Christmas Eve Eve, I think, uh, a couple years ago. And, and, and so we're doing that. And the One Day to Feed the World next Sunday is uh, just where you bring one day salary and you're giving that to missions. And we're given that. And then, um, you know, I, here's why. I don't believe God put us here just to come and enjoy each other's company, which we all enjoy. And I don't think he put us here just to come and worship and do nothing. He put us here uh, for a reason. And, and, and look at this. Matthew five sixteen. Jesus said this. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, look, just before he said this verse, he said this. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, salt makes everything but blood pressure better, right? I mean, you know, it, it makes the flavor, taste, make, makes food taste better. It preserves things, you know, when you don't have refrigeration. It gives traction on icy roads. I mean, salt makes everything better, and that's what we're supposed to, that's what Jesus is saying. When you're the salt, you're supposed to go make it better. You're supposed to go make it, their lives better. You're supposed to give moral traction. You're supposed to go give flavor we're the flavor. Did you think about this? You're the flavor of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be bland. 
and, uh, and, and, and so we're supposed to go make it better. Then he said, not only are you supposed to go make it better, you're supposed to be the light of the world. Now look, uh, it, it, you're not just supposed to make it taste better, you're supposed to make it look better. We're the light of the world. We light the world up. Hey, you know, if you've ever been in a dark room and somebody comes in with a candle, it, it slowly lights up that room. And that's what we're to be. We're to light. Now here's the deal. We're not just supposed to light, be the light of the world and, and just to let it shine. And we're not just to, to feed people just to feed people. We're not just to give toys just to give them toys or, or educate people just to, to educate them. Jesus put two words in this, in this passage we're looking at that I think are key. And I want you to circle them. So that. He put so that. He said, I want you to let your good deeds shine for everybody to see. So that. What's the so that? We're to let them shine so people can, can see it and become interested in our God. You see, we're to do these things. We don't, we don't need to be random. We need to be intentional. Look what, look, I mean, if you think about it. Jesus came. We're celebrating Christmas. He was born. He grew up. Uh, you know, he, was, he, he started his ministry at 30 and, uh, and, and preached for three years. And then, uh, you know, they, they didn't just vote him out. They killed him. I mean, you know. They executed him. He paid the price for our sins. He was resurrected. He ascended into heaven and said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, but I'm leaving. And, and just before he left, I mean, think about this. Jesus' last words on earth were this in Acts 1.8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I want you to think about that. He, you don't have to walk in weakness. You don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in depression. He says, look, when you receive me, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. <clears throat> and he said, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, <coughs> throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, here's the deal. These were his last instructions. Now, he said, you're going to be my witnesses. Now, the first thing we do as a witness is live it. He's going to give you power to live for God. And, and, and so, then secondly... He's going to give us a witness. He says, go tell, go tell. We're going to sing, go tell it on the mountain when we're Christmas caroling around the jail. Uh, probably another 40 times or something like that. And, and, and so he said, you're going to be a witness. So go tell people about me everywhere. Now, a lot of people believe, well, I'm just going to live for God. And if I have to, I'll use words. Jesus very specifically said, you're going to go tell people about me. You got to live it and tell it. But here's the thing. Don't tell it if you're not living it, okay? If you're living like the devil, don't even don't, don't tell them you're from River Church if you're living like the devil. And that's why I don't have a River Church bumper sticker yet because if I cut you off in traffic, I don't want to advertise, all right? And, uh, and, and so, you know, or if I blow past you, it'll be more like it. So a witness just, here's what you do as a witness. You're telling somebody what God's done for you. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a preacher. You just tell, hey, look, if God delivered you from alcoholism, and you just share that. If God delivered you from drug addiction, you just say, hey, look. Or maybe gambling. I mean, that's a big one. Thank God St. Tammany has a brain and voted down the casino. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, and, and, uh, and so that was an awesome thing. But, but a lot of people, more people commit suicide from gambling addiction than anything else. And, and so maybe you've been delivered and you can help somebody else. Maybe, maybe God's given you peace throughout this whole turmoil that we've been in. And, and it maybe you used to be a knucklehead and God's delivered you from that. All you're responsible for. Jesus is saying, look, just share with them why you're not a knucklehead anymore. Just share with them how God delivered you from this. Maybe, maybe God's provided for you in a supernatural way. Maybe, maybe it, it, when I was in Youth for Christ, my budget 
on the income, income side never was enough to match my expenses, but God always made it work. Maybe, that, maybe God's done that for you. Maybe, maybe he's helped you make decisions, that, you know, have wise decisions, especially when you were raising your kids through the teen years and stuff. You know, all those things. He said, listen, you just be my witnesses and you do it in Jerusalem. That would be the West Bank. Judea, that would be America. Samaria, people who are different than us. And to the ends of the earth, that's the rest of the world. So he gets us anywhere we go. We got to share, really, with whoever gets within about arm's length. So let's look at some of these real quick. The first blank on your paper is Jerusalem. Write that down. Uh, for, in church world, that would be like local missions. Uh, Paul said this, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. That's it. So that, just in a different translation, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Now listen, there's a distinction Paul's making here that, that, that's different from what some people are doing today. And, and if you're not careful when we're with the weak, we'll just, we'll just identify with them. And, and maybe, you, maybe you'll give them some money or maybe you'll give them some food. Or maybe, but that's not our assignment. Our assi- that's not our assignment. See, not all compassion and charity is the same. If all I do is give somebody some food, but I don't connect it with Jesus, I did a good deed, but I didn't fulfill my mission. If all I do is, is, is give somebody a, a hotel room for the night, but I don't help them find a home and find Jesus, if I don't connect it with Jesus, see, we've got to connect our acts of kindness the love of God. We've got to connect our acts of kindness to the love of God. If we don't, we're not fulfilling our assignment. And, and that's what Paul said. He said he shared in their weaknesses so that he could lead some to Christ. We always need to connect Jesus with that. So listen, I mean, don't just leave, don't just leave a, a big tip at a restaurant. Leave, leave a big old honking tip and a little red Bible. Put one of these with it. I want to make some acts of kindness cards and, and, uh, and it, that say uh, something like, uh, you know, to make your day better or to just because we care or, or something like that on there. And, and, and when you pay a bill or something, give them a tip, you give them that and, and this. Give them a little royal Bible, you know, but do something to connect that act of kindness with uh, Jesus. Give that little, little Bible with, uh, you know, with the Christmas angel kids. Every one of them is going to have these going to have a, a different things talking about Christ in those, those gifts. And a lot of it's going through like we're doing, churches where we're giving, uh, you know, and inviting them to come to church and stuff like that. So that's why we always want to connect acts of kindness to the love of God. That's our mission. Now, it's nice to do a good deed. I'm not saying don't do a good deed. I was a Boy Scout. Our motto was do a good deed daily, you know what I mean? And, uh, but we want to connect them with Jesus. So that's why we want to be intentional. You know, and, and so uh, the Christmas angel will do that. Gift, you know, buy some gas for somebody or something. If, if you, you know, I, I, I'll be in line sometimes at the grocery store, and if, if somebody's struggling, I see them taking stuff out. If they don't have cigarettes and beer in their basket, I've been known to pay for what they're having to take out because they couldn't afford it. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to help a bad habit. But, um, but, you know, so do something, but connect it with Jesus. Connect it with Jesus. When you ask that waitress, can we pray for you? You know, that's, that's connecting that tip to Jesus. And we, we've had people where we've gone back to restaurants that remembered us praying for them. We had that happen the other day at Cheesecake Factory. 
uh, the guy remembered us because we prayed for him, and, uh, and, and, and he came. We weren't even in his section. He saw us and came and talked to us. And, uh, and so you do that, it makes a difference. Uh, this, the correctional ministry, you know, when we're talking, we're connecting Jesus with these books. We give out faith books. We don't give out books that don't have anything to do with God. We give out Bibles, and, and she hadn't had deputies uh, helping, so I've been able to, when I go do early morning roll call on Thursdays, I'll go give out those things, and with everything is broken in the jail. The elevators in one section don't work, and so it'll be like 40 trips up steps carrying boxes of, of books uh, to these inmates and stuff, but we do that to connect them with Jesus. And, and here's the thing. If you heard those ladies' testimonies, this doesn't happen in other jails. This doesn't happen. We've had people write us from different prisons around the state. They don't have anything like what she does here. And, and so that, that's a powerful thing to try and connect people to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is what's going to make the difference in their lives. It's, Jesus is the one that's going to bring change in their lives. So write this down. We serve practical needs of people in our area so they would in turn open their hearts to Jesus. That's why we do this. We, we, we do these things. I don't, I don't go to the jail to, to deliver books just to deliver books. I mean, I'm going to the jail to help my wife in her ministry there, but to connect those inmates with Jesus because if, if one out of a pot of 60 turns his life around, he's maybe going to start a ministry like Skeleton Key Ministry. Who knows? So we serve those practical needs. The second one is Judea. That would be more like national missions, you know. Uh, Judea uh, for us would be the United States. And, uh, and so in Acts, it says this, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Now listen, we support, we support launching churches and strengthening existing churches so that they can reach the world. We do that through our giving. Pastor Kathy and I are licensed through the Assemblies of God, and part of what we give goes towards those kind of missions and, and, uh, and things like that. We, we uh, support uh, the through our affiliation, church mobilization, intercultural ministries, Youth Alive is a youth ministry that supports youth ministers and stuff like that. Chi Alpha, can't tell you how many times we've called somebody at a Chi Alpha. That's a college-based ministry the Assemblies of God uh, have. Those missionaries, when you send your kid to college, he's going into a foreign world. He's going into an anti-God world. And we've got ministers on those campuses that through our giving, we support. That's That's just... Kind of, uh, you know, one of the things we do. We've been blessed, folks, to be a blessing to others. And, uh, and so then he says, all the world. Write down all the world. All the world. And uh, it said that's international missions. I mean, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. He, everyone means everyone. That's, a, that's an interesting word. It means everybody in the South. So we focus on strategic missions so that every person in the world has an opportunity to hear the gospel. We're not just pouring into somewhere where the, the gospel's already been a lot. We're, we're giving to some ministries like Convoy of Hope that will use food in an area that hadn't heard the gospel uh, to, to spread the gospel. When I went to Haiti with them, Haiti is known for its voodoo and its occult and all that kind of stuff. Right before the earthquake that crippled the, that nation, Convoy had just restocked their their warehouses, and they had food to give away. They had food, but they connect that to orphanages where they're teaching about Jesus. You saw those kids 
getting their food from Convoy of Hope. I've been to those places. I've seen those kids getting their food. And some of those orphanages are well-funded orphanages that are training those kids to be the nation's leaders. And they're going to be Christian leaders in those countries. And so those are the kind of, of things. Assemblies of God International Missions. Listen, we're part of the Assemblies of God. And you might not hear much about the Assemblies of God because only 5% of all the Assemblies of God members are in the United States. 95% of them are outside this country. You go to South America, you go to Africa, you go to Asia, the, AG, the spirit-filled, uh, Pentecostal, charismatic, it's exploding and making a difference. Why? Because people's lives are being changed. We're part of that. We're part of that. Uh, there's a ministry called Speed the Light that was started by youth, but a Speed the Light offering actually buys stuff like a car for a missionary or it buys a... Uh, uh, equipment that missionaries need and stuff like that. All of that uh, goes through some different things. And Fire Bible is, is a Bible-based uh, thing where they're translating the Bible, a version of, called the, the Fire Bible, into multiple languages where people don't have the Bible. There are actually language groups of people who don't have a Bible today in the 21st century, which is mind-blowing. Somebody's got to translate it. It doesn't just happen automatic on your iPhone. Somebody's got to translate it so it can pop up on your iPhone. Uh, so that's, that's around the world. And, uh, and we believe in all that. And we, you're going to hear more and more about that as, as we go. Bridges College, write that down, is, is another one. Pat, you know, that, that, that would kind of be Samaria. You know, any college campus is Samaria. That's people that are different from us. Let me tell you, you know, I, I used to tell people, I said, well, I'm only a, I'm in college. I'm not, you know, when I was doing high school ministry, I'm not a missionary back to, listen, the day you leave high school, you're a foreigner. You're a foreigner. The day you leave college, you're a foreigner. Y'all are all foreigners if you're on a college campus. It's, it's a different culture. Uh, and, and so, we, you know, Bridges College is, is what we support. Pastor Kathy's on the board. I'm a teacher. When they get to the bottom of the barrel and nobody else can teach a class, they ask me. And, uh, and so here's, here's what Jesus said. He said, the harvest is great. But the workers refuse, so pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. We pray that every day over our church. We, we want to see this place filled with people who are excited about Jesus and want to do something about it. And want to do something about it. And, uh, and so, uh, so write this down. We're part of training students who are called to ministry so that they can be placed around the world and fulfill the Great Commission. I thought I was signing up to teach at 7 a.m. on Monday morning. I was really going to sacrifice for Jesus and get up early and do that. And, and somehow they, they, they put me at 1 p.m. So, but that's why every Monday afternoon I'm teaching a, a three-hour course. Y'all think I like to talk because you hear me up here? Three hours, I'm wore out. I mean, you know, it's like I've not made it three hours yet, and, uh, which I'm sure the students are happy about. But, but you know, we're a teacher. And here's the cool thing about that college. It's an accredited college now. Uh, they're still in the process, but the accreditation works. They're, you're able to get a four-year Bible college degree and come out with no debt. $1,800 you can get a four-year college Bible degree. heard uh, uh, the professor talk about that uh, a while back, and so that's why we, we support that. We believe it's a, a, a good thing to do. I write down this last one, River Church. That's us. See, Jesus said this, now I say to you, you're Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, his confession that he just made, I will build my church.
and all the powers of hell won't conquer it. See, church was personal to Jesus. He said, I'm going to build my church. We're part of his church. We're part of his church. Now, I like all churches, but I love you guys. I love what we got here. And, uh, and, and so listen to me. And the gates of hell won't prevail against us. The gates of hell. Now, here's what I want you to, I want, you're going to hear more and more of this in the coming year, so I want you to write this down. We believe at River Church we're a life-giving church, and we're providing an opportunity for people to, number one, know God, number two, find freedom, number three, discover their purpose, and number four, we want to make a difference. We want to make a difference in our families. We want to make a difference at work. We want to make a difference in our communities and the areas around us. And, uh, and so that's what we do. And, and listen, it's tempting to get into a huddle-up mode. Uh, you know, to find a safe place to hide from, from all of this. And it's very tempting to do that, especially as the world becomes more hostile to Christianity and, and to Christians and, and, uh, and everything. And, and you know, it's, it's, you want to just kind of go into survival mode. Uh, there's a, a, a talk that I do. It's called, uh, you know, Minority Tactics, where we're a minority, you know, in a culture of people who want to uphold the Bible's uh, standards and stuff like this. But, but, but. We can't do that. How many of you, uh, I don't know, just, there was a movie that we went to see a few years ago. It was about the 2004 tsunami. It's called The Impossible. And, and it's about this family. They're enjoying uh, the uh, country where they're at, and, 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 and all of a sudden, the wave comes in, and it washes everybody away. And, and when the waters go down, the woman and her son are in a tree, and uh, she's injured pretty bad, and and, uh, and they're just trying to find people. They're trying to find, they're walking through this sludge and swimming and getting snakes away from them and, and stuff like this uh, while she's bleeding, you know, and, and they, they get something to kind of put a semi-tourniquet on. They don't know if they're going to live or not. They don't know if their husband's alive. They don't know if the other son is alive. Uh, they don't know if anybody's alive. I mean, they're just seeing them. And then the little boy, they hear a young boy crying for help. And the mother's going, we got to survive. We, we got to keep going, son. We got to find people. We can't, we can't help somebody else because we don't know if we're going to make it. And the little boy, and there's a tension. The little boy says, No, we got to help this. I, I hear him. I hear him crying for help. And they end up helping this boy. But the mom, see, she wanted to survive. And that's kind of where our culture's been for the last two years. We want to survive. You know, we're just trying to survive, whether it's personally or as a church. We're, tr- we're trying to survive COVID. We're trying to survive, uh, you know, just stay alive. I mean, you know, we don't want to catch that thing and, and die, you know. And, it, and, 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 and for a long time, it, the death rate was so high, and, and it was always publicized. I mean, you know, there's probably been previous diseases that were, had a high death rate, but it wasn't put on Facebook and, and, and news and all the stuff as much as this one was. So we're just trying to survive it. We've been trying to survive the economic collapse due to us shutting down the economy. You know, and, and now we're trying to survive inflation and, 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 and civil unrest and all kinds of things. We've just been trying to survive. But let me tell you, there's a little voice. There's a little voice out there that needs to hear Jesus, needs to know there's a Jesus that loves him. That's why we keep doing what we do as a church, a little church that's a little bit bigger than the average maybe, but that's why we keep doing what we're doing. That's why we keep doing the outreaches. That's why we'll keep doing these kinds of things. That's why we will continue to give. Because we, we hear the voice of someone hurting. 
Now listen, I want to give us some principles as we wrap this up. That, that if you're a Christian, we can, we, I want you to know this. And, uh, and it's kind of based on this. God blesses us with more so that, so that more than we need so that we can't, so that, circle that so that we can be a blessing to others. See, God blesses us with more. Listen, you might say, I don't have more. Listen, if you're in America, we're in an air-conditioned building. You drove a car or rode a bike to get here or rode with somebody. You know, you're blessed beyond measure just being here. And so here's some things that we need to know. One is you've got to know what the more is for. You've got to know what the more is for. God said to Abraham in, in Genesis 12 too, he said this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I believe America has been great because we've blessed other nations. I believe, I believe we live in the greatest country in the history of this planet. And we've been great because we've been a generous nation. Christians in this nation have built hospitals. They've built schools. They've built orphanages. They've built uh, colleges all over the world. We've sent missionaries out to convert the world to Christianity. We've sent missionaries out to feed the world. And, and we do that in... And, and, and because of that is why I believe that we've been blessed. You will be a blessing to others. And, and, and God told Abraham, I'll, I'll bless you, and you'll be a blessing to other people. And, and so, you know, I, I remember a guy when I was doing Youth for Christ. I was a director of Youth for Christ here for about 20 years. And, and, uh, and, and it was, we, were never, we were always struggling financially. I had five staff that worked for me at one time. And sometimes I'd go without a paycheck so they could get a, get a paycheck. And, and we, we, would, we would do things. And I had a, a guy come to me, a donor come to me. He'd already given probably $20,000 that year of, uh, uh, of our budget. And, and he said, you know what? He said, I have, he said, I filled up my kids, all the, the places I can hide money from my kids. I filled up my 401Ks, my IRAs. I've, I've given money. He said, and God just dumped another truckload on me, and he wants me to give it away. And so I've given my church some, I've given this ministry some, and I'm giving you and he writes a check for $10,000. You see, he knew what the more was for. And when God gives us more, it's like the, the, the story Jesus told about the guy who had the barns. He said, I'm just going to build a bigger barn. Nothing wrong with building a bigger barn, except he didn't consult God. God might have been giving him more to help others. And God has given us more. You've got to know what the more is for. And I believe he's given us this church at this time and at this place to be a blessing to other people. Number two, when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. You need to know that. When you bless others, God takes care of our needs. One of my favorite scriptures, Galatians 6, 9, but in the contemporary English version, it said this, don't get tired of helping others. How many of y'all got tired when we did that food outreach? I was bone tired. I didn't know it. I had COVID at that time. Thank God I wasn't praying in people's windows. It would have really been a super spreader event. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you get tired doing these good deeds. He said, so don't get tired of helping other people. You'll be rewarded when the time's right if you don't give up. God's going to take care of your needs when you're doing things for him. Listen, I believe there's almost nothing God won't do for the person that's trying to help other people. I, I don't believe there's anything that God won't do for the person that's trying to help other people. Luke Luke 18, Jesus said, he said, I guarantee this truth. Anyone who gave up his home, his wife, his brothers, parents, and children because of the kingdom of God 
will receive many times as much in this life and will receive eternal life in the world to come. Now, people say, well, he's going to bless you in heaven. He says right here, you're going to receive back many times in this life. It might be that your kids are just doing well. You know, if you've, if you've seen some people whose kids aren't doing well, you're th- going, thank God, they're not mine, you know what I mean? And it might be that your kids are doing well. It might be that you're healthy. You don't have a whole lot of health care bills. It might be that, that maybe he performed some kind of miracle and, and, and somehow your bills got taken care of. Or maybe it's a promotion at work. Or maybe in the last two years, which have been tough, you just had the opportunity to work so much overtime you're able to get out of debt. Or maybe advance your retirement time. Whatever it is. He said, he said you'll receive back. God will always take care of your needs when you're helping other people. And, and he'll do it both in this life and in the life to come. Number three, the more God blesses us, the more he expects us to, be, to bless other people. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 48, Much is required from those whom much is given, for their responsibility is greater. He's given us much, and he requires much. See, the more God gives us, the more he holds us responsible. And he gives you more responsibility because you've proven responsible. So we've got to be responsible in the little things. And then he'll give things that are bigger. I heard a, a pastor say one time, he said, he said, I was in a kind of a bad mood and I was complaining about stuff and all this. And, and God told me, he said, as long as you're not thankful for what you have, I'm not going to bless you with more. Amen. Folks, we've got to be thankful for what we've got and faithful with the little things. Amen. And then he'll give us more. And, and so he requires much. There's an Old Testament Jewish tradition that I didn't understand really until recently. You, you've probably read with me where... He said, you know, the firstborn gets a double portion. You go, that's not really fair if you're the younger child. Now, I'm a firstborn, so I kind of like that. <laughs> you know, but, but uh, you know, here's the, here's the way it works, though. The firstborn actually gets 50% of the inheritance, and the rest of the kids split the rest. You think, man, that's not fair, but he, here's the deal. The firstborn's responsibility, if the dad died, was to take care of the rest of the family. I mean, think about it. Jesus grew up. He's the oldest son of Mary. I know some of y'all don't realize this, but Jesus had brothers and he had sisters. And in the Bible, it's very specific. There's a Greek word in the Bible that says when it names Jesus' brothers, it actually says brothers of the same mother. Because, see, Jesus' daddy was different than the rest of them. And so he names his brothers and talks about his sisters. And, And so he was the oldest the firstborn. So what did he have to do? Joseph is not mentioned after Jesus was 12 years old. So what did Jesus do? He had to take care of the family. And so he started his ministry at 30. In Deuteronomy, it says, hey, he must recognize the rights of his oldest son. It says, by giving him a double portion. That's what, that's what this is. He was a firstborn. And, and so the firstborn took the responsibility of the dad. And, and then Jesus transitioned that into the New Testament. Here's what Hebrews said. Hebrews 12, and 23 says, Now you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heaven of Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly, what? Of God's firstborn children. Y'all are God's firstborn children. The church is God's firstborn. So what do we as the firstborn have a responsibility to do? Take care of the rest. See, God loves everybody, but he really loves y'all. You get 50%. But see, we're to, we're to take it in the absence of the Father. What's our responsibility? To take care. We're the one. See, I, 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 
I don't believe in government welfare. I believe the church ought to be doing that. That's what God's saying here. We need to be, and that's why we'll keep giving food to kids. That's why we'll keep doing outreaches. That's why we'll keep doing That's why we're taking this offering up next week. Because God, we're God's firstborn children. He's given us a responsibility as the firstborn to connect people with him and to take care of their needs. And that's what we're going to do. That's why we're, we're a church. We the church. We represent the Father. And that's why we do what we do. That's why God has blessed us with the many blessings that he's given us. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You're God's firstborn when you actually accept Jesus.